sports fans. Thanks for stopping by. We are A Beer and a Dog, where we're going to talk everything sports from professional to collegiate, maybe even a little Little League in there. We've got Little League World Series going on right now. A little about us. I'm, I'm from the Midwest, mostly St. Louis. It's my first attempt ever at a podcast, so I really don't know what I'm doing. So you're going to have to bear with me the first couple of episodes. But I've always loved sports. It's always something that, that has been in my life. I've always had friends that I've talked to sports about. And I just thought, why not do a podcast? Why not try it anyway? So that's that's what we're doing. There's several ways that you can keep in touch with us. We're on Twitter. Just search Beer and a Dog, and you should be able to go right to our Twitter handle. We're on Facebook. If you just go to www.facebook.com slash Beer and a Dog, you should be able to find us there. And also email beerandadogsports at gmail.com. That's beer and a dog sports at gmail.com. We've got a few other things in the works that we're kind of working on right now. Maybe a Patreon page. We've, we've got a blog that, that is currently being constructed. So as we gain more listeners, as we gain more follow, followers, you're able to stay in contact with us more. We're going to try to download, have an episode ready for download every Thursday. And you're going to be able to find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, PocketCast, public radio spotify and stitcher so there's a lot of different avenues that you'll be able to find our podcast give us a listen if you like what you hear pass it along you know get the word out as much as you can with the email if you have any comments any questions any concerns anything that we can tweak anything you like anything you don't like let us know we're always open for either a compliments or b constructive criticism so that's a quick intro of who we are what we're looking to do. I love sports and I love not to take it too seriously. I'm a Cardinals fan. I grew up in the Midwest. Um, the Cardinals are not good this year. And some of the, some of the guys that I'm going to have on the list are big Cubs fans. So it'll be, it'll be fun to listen to. But today we're going to focus on fantasy football because we're right in the midst of fantasy football. Most teams, most, most leagues are starting to draft now and you're trying to get your sheets together. I'm working on a cheat sheet. I've got a draft in just, I think it's two weeks when my fantasy draft is. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go over the position of running back. Now in the next few podcasts, we're going to go over quarterbacks, wide receivers, and I think we're going to put tight ends and, and maybe kickers. I don't know. I don't put much stock in kickers and defenses. Kickers and defenses are the two positions that I seem to stream every year. Because you, if you play matchups, you can find good kickers and you can find good defenses on a weekly basis. But today, we're going to look at running backs, which is running backs are probably the most important position on any fan, fantasy football team because they get you so many points. I'm going to give you the list of the top 12 running backs that I think are 1 through 12. Then we're going to give you two sleepers, and we're going to give you two guys you probably want to avoid. Ultimately, it's your decision. With this list, I take a couple of the things into consideration. I take strength of schedule. Now, when I say strength of schedule, I mean strength of schedule for the running back, not the team. Because like Saquon Barkley, for instance, may be playing a team that has a really strong secondary, so the passing game isn't good, but they're really porous when it comes to the run game. His strength of schedule is going to be different than, say, like Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Evan Ingram. So that's what I mean by strength of schedule. And then the other factor in my league are 40-yard runs, how many 40-yard runs they had, or 40-plus yard runs, um, because we get an extra point bonus. I don't know if I'm going to cover that or not, because not every league has that. If you hear me talking about that, that's why I threw it in there. So let's start rolling into it. Number one, should be no surprise, Saquon Barkley. The guy is an animal. What he did in that offense this past year, because the Giants offense was not good. Oh yeah, you had Odell and Evan Ingram had a fantastic year. Other than that, there wasn't much going on. Eli is not the Eli of old. Eli is not a reliable quarterback anymore. Although I think it was last night, Daniel Jones uh, had a really good game for the Giants. He looked sharp. He's got a, he's got a good arm. So I'm kind of excited about that. But it doesn't matter. When it comes to Saquon, Saquon is RB1 in the league. Now, I do think that there's another running back that could possibly take that next year. And we'll get to that here in a few minutes. But let's kind of break down what Saquon did last year and kind of what we expect out of him this year. Because I think you're going to see a little regression in his numbers. But with the numbers that he put up, even when he regresses a little bit, he's still going to be really good. And he is deserving of the first spot. He had 261 rushing attempts for 
1,307 yards. He's averaging about five yards a carry. He had 91 receptions, was 721 yards, zero fumbles. That's huge. That's a guy that can hold on to the ball. And the more a guy can hold on to the ball, the more he's going to see the ball because they, the offense has got the confidence in him. I mean, Saquon this this past year was as close to a fantasy football owner's dream as you can get. He was putting up numbers that I hadn't seen in some time. And not when Le'Veon was prime in Pittsburgh, he was putting up better numbers than than Le'Veon Bell. He had 15 touchdowns. The the, the one thing that has got me, I wouldn't say concerned, but has piqued my attention this year with with Saquon is the strength of schedule. He's about middle of the road. Last year, um, if I remember correctly, when it came to run defenses, Saquon had the third easiest schedule in the NFL. So this year, it's going to be a little bit more of a test. Teams are going to know what to look for. I can promise you that teams in his division have, have looked at him have have watched tape and how to and have figured out how to better defend him. But the guy is, is such an immense talent that he's still going to have a great year. So Saquon, he's he's number one overall. It, I would be surprised in any league anywhere if he doesn't go number one overall. Number two. So in my in my big draft this year, I'm picking number one overall because I lost I lost my fantasy my my fantasy league last year, which is crazy because the first year I had this league, I won it. And then last year I came in dead last. It was, I traded away a few picks and I had a few picks that didn't pan out for me last year because we, we all know anyone who has played fantasy football knows that fantasy football is 90% luck. You're hoping that guy A or guy B doesn't get injured. It usually happens where guy A or guy B gets injured. You just hope that they don't get injured at the same time. Well, that's what happened to me last year. Guy A and guy B got injured. They got injured at the same time, and I was done. So that's, I traded away, I want to say I traded away my top three picks and just just loaded up on draft picks this year. So going into the draft this year, in the first three rounds, I have five picks. But the bad side was I finished last last year. Had to do the punishment, everything that came along with it. Anyone, I mean, you know playing fantasy football, you're usually playing with a group of friends, right? And, you and you know, the razzing and, and, the, and the poking fun at, that's going to happen every year, and that's fine. And that's something that I, I suppose was calculated whenever I made this trade, but... I wasn't going to win, and I saw an opportunity to pad my roster for this year. Okay, so number two, I've got Christian McCaffrey from the Panthers. I think this guy has the biggest upside of any running back in the NFL this year. The guy is a beast. He also averaged about five yards a carry. Now, these are carries. These are not receptions. These are just carries. Christian had carried the ball. Uh, He had 219 rushing attempts for just under 1,100 yards. It was 1098, something like that. Uh, he had more receptions than Saquon. He had 107 receptions for 867 yards. That's incredible for a running back to have 867 yards. He did cough the ball up uh, four times, I believe. Uh, had 14 touchdowns. Now, his strength of schedule, one thing that I like about Christian McCaffrey, the strength of schedule uh, is 10. So, it's not going to be a real, real tough schedule for Christian McCaffrey this year. I want to say last year, I think his his strength of schedule was in the middle of the pack. So I think his schedule this year is a little bit easier than it was last year. When it comes to a fantasy owner, this this is the guy I'm taking. I think he's got the biggest upside. I like the Panthers' offense more than I like the Giants' offense. The Giants' offense, I think there's going to be a learning curve there, especially if... Eli is not getting it done. Daniel Jones comes in as quarterback. And your receiving core is not good, to put it politely, I guess. And you can expect some serious regression when it comes to Evan Ingram. I don't think he's going to put up the same numbers that he put up last year. I I just, I don't see it happening. So I think defenses are going to be more geared to stop the run against Saquon. And that's where I think you see a regression in Saquon's numbers. What I like about Christian McCaffrey is he catches the ball more than Saquon. Saquon's faster, I'll give you that, much, much faster. But I think Christian McCaffrey is more versatile as far as a pass catching back. I think he's going to get you more points. How much 
how much of the ball will he see in the red zone? That's kind of the question. Because you know with the Giants, when the Giants get into the red zone, they, they have one target, and that target is Saquon Barkley. The Last year's numbers don't show that. I think Saquon had one more touchdown than Christian McCaffrey. That's, that would be the only knock that I would have against Christian McCaffrey is the red zone touches. Other than that, I think Panthers, this is Christian McCaffrey's offense. And that's why I'm taking McCaffrey number one. The guy is incredible. He's young. He's he's bulked up a little bit. He looks fantastic in, in preseason, in workouts. I'm impressed with the guy. I think he's going to have a big year. I think you're going to see more numbers out of Christian McCaffrey. Overall, there's a real possibility that next year when we're talking this podcast that Christian McCaffrey is RB1 and Saquon is RB2. That's just my gut. I could be wrong, but that's kind of how I feel about it. So let's roll into number three. And number three should come as no surprise, uh, Alvin Kamara. Anytime you have Drew Brees as a quarterback and you're a pass-catching back like Alvin Kamara, you're going to put up numbers. That's just the way it is. Alvin Kamara, when he came into the league, uh, I want to say it was two years ago, kind of a no-name guy. You know, there was there was some buzz there. There was some potential. People were like, you know, that you might want to keep an eye on this guy because he may, he may be, he may evolve into what Drew Brees really likes to throw to, and that's exactly what happened. The good thing about Alvin Kamara is you have Michael Thomas on the outside, so that's going to that's gonna draw your defensive backs back into play because they have to, they have to cover, they have to watch for Michael Thomas because Michael Thomas last year proved that he is a Tier 1 wide receiver, and that's going to open Kamara up. Now, on the downside, if you can say there is a downside, Ingram is no longer there. And I think that was that was a nice kind of one-two punch in New Orleans that you had, you know, the, the pass-catching ability, the rushing ability from Alvin Kamara. And when you, whenever you needed to pound out those yards, you had Ingram there, who's a large man who can still run the ball. So you might see a little, you might see a little difference, a little regression in Kamara's numbers as far as rushing. But I think passing, he's going to be, and he may even exceed his numbers from last year, passing. So Alvin Kamara last year had uh, 194 attempts for 883 yards. Came out to about four and a half yards a carry, which is respectable. I'll take that all day long. He had 81 receptions for 709 yards. He had one fumble, 18 touchdowns. He had 18 touchdowns. I mean, that's incredible. As far as as far as a fantasy owner, you'll take that all day long. I'll take less yardage. If that if I get into the end zone more, because that's where you get your points as a fantasy owner is when your guy is getting into the end zone. And that's what you want is your guy in the end zone. And Alvin Kamara finds the end zone. It was just like LeGarrette Blunt a few years ago for the New England Patriots. I mean, the guy didn't hardly have any rushing yards, but he had 18 touchdowns. Because anytime they got into the red zone and they were close to the goal line, because LeGarrette Blunt is a large man, they would send in old LeGarrette in. They're like, you know what, just run it in. No one's going to be able to tackle you anyway. And that's what happened. And he had just a ton of touchdowns, which equates to a ton of points for the fantasy owner. Now, the only knock that I have against Kamara, and it's not against Kamara, it's against the schedule, 24th. That's, that's That's a tough schedule for Kamara that's he's going to get there's going to be a lot of coverage and it's it's going to be a tough year for him if I I'm looking over at my notes here I think last year the the Saints were around 18 as far as strength of schedule so close but not close it's going to be tough but Kamara is just such a talent and of course the x-factor Drew Brees he's he's going to put up close to the same numbers I would I would think you're going to see a little less in the rushing in the rushing area, you might see a little bit more in the pass catch area. You're gonna, I'm uh, not 18 touchdowns. I'm I'm saying, I'm saying 15 touchdowns for Mr. Kamara with a couple fumbles. I think he had one fumble last year. So that's where we're at in Alvin. Alvin, very good back, tier one running back. Probably going to be about the same spot where he is this year as as next year. Number four. David Johnson. I don't know what to make of David Johnson because that offense is just a dumpster fire. Probably the worst offense 
in the NFL, and no offense to any Cardinal fans out there, the worst offensive line that they have no one to throw the ball. Now, I will say this. Last night, um, there were some preseason games going on, and Kyler Murray looked really good. I mean, he looked really good. He's got a cannon for an arm. He was making good decisions. The, the wide receivers were getting separation. But let's pump the brakes a little bit and remember that that was probably a second, third team defense. And he has talent. No one questions if Kyler Murray has talent. He has talent. But what's going to happen when he's when he's in against first string defenses? I guess we'll see, and I think we're going to we're going to see soon because I don't think that the Cardinals sit him for very long, if at all. So that's going to help David Johnson having having that talent at quarterback because Kyler Murray, Murray can run the ball. I don't know if they when I say they, I don't know if the Cardinals want him to run the ball. Kyler Murray, but if given the opportunity, I think he takes off, and you're going to see yards taken away from David Johnson on that. So last year, David Johnson, 258 attempts, 940 yards. He averaged about 3.6 yards a rush, and I think out of my top 12, I think that was the lowest uh, average. It was. That's the lowest yard average uh, of any of my top 12, but that was, man, he had a tough road to hoe. I mean, that, that offensive line is just terrible. And that just shows you how good of an athlete David Johnson is. Okay. So 3.6 yards, a rush. He had 50 receptions for 446 yards, three fumbles, no big deal. I want to say out of the 12, out of the 12 backs, I think they averaged three fumbles. There were a few guys that had a little bit more Connor from Pittsburgh had the most with four. And McCaffrey had four. Everybody else was three and under. There were quite a few zeros in the top 12 as far as fumbles. He had 10 touchdowns. I want to say that's the lowest touchdown. No, there was a couple other 10s. The good thing about Johnson this year, the the strength of schedule is eight. So it's a very, he'll have a lot of opportunities to, to get yardage, both rushing and receiving. If him and Kyler Murray gel like everyone thinks they could, I think David Johnson could could have a really big year. I like David Johnson. I've always been a David Johnson. I think his talent is there. He may be some of the he may be the most talented back of all the backs that are in this in this top twelve. The guy just he just goes out and works. And he very easily could say, you know what, either pay me more money or trade me because this team's awful. But he doesn't. He he stays with, with the girl that brought him to the dance. He may not like it. I don't know what how much more time he has left on his deal. I don't think I don't think that's relevant. Goes out and he plays and he plays as hard as he can. Now I don't know if David Johnson and Kyler Murray are enough to turn this offense around, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I just I don't see it happening. There's a lot of other good teams in his in, in their division and I just I don't know. I, my gut says there's too many obstacles to overcome in Arizona, but it should be fun watching these two compete every Sunday and see what they can do. So David Johnson, number four, I want to say he's a tier two running back. I would put him in a tier two running back just because of the situation that he's in. If you were to put him in the, like the Panther situation, he's tier one. Who knows what kind of numbers he would put up. Given Arizona, he's I think he's a Tier 2 guy. Number 5, this guy came out of nowhere last year. And we all can thank Le'Veon Bell because of it. His Connor. He had a big year for a rookie. I say rookie for a first-year guy. I'm, what he was doing... Now, that Pittsburgh offense was, was dynamic. When you have uh, A.B., Juju... You know, Le'Veon at the time was there, and then he decided, you know what, I'm not going to stick around anymore. And Mike Tomlin's like, that's fine. We got Connor. We'll put him in there and see what happens. And I think in the beginning of the year, it was it was kind of like an experiment. We're just going to kind of see what happens, and we're going to gauge the talent level of this guy, and then we'll make a decision moving forward on what we're going to do. But from game one, from day one, Connor produced and he produced big and he produced all season long and that's what Pittsburgh needed because the Le'Veon Bell thing was hanging over him who knows what that did to the locker room psyche and then in week 14 AB just decided you know what I'm not going to do this anymore so you have out of that offense you have two major cogs that are gone and it'll be interesting to see what Pittsburgh does this year in regards to how are we going to combat losing, I don't even know what percent of the offense those two accounted for. When I say those two, I mean Bell and Brown. But they've got it figured out with the running back. 
with Connor because he was he was incredible. So Connor had 215 rush attempts last year for 973 yards. He averaged about 4.5 yards a carry, which is really good. He had 55 receptions for 497 yards. He had four fumbles, 13 touchdowns. Now here is why, and I think I put Connor a little high in my list. I think I think on most fantasy football projections or whoever you use, I think Connor is down below six, definitely below six, probably below seven, maybe even below eight. But the reason why I put Connor so high in my list, his strength of schedule, two, a two. This guy is going to have a big year. I think last year he was right around a 19 strength of schedule, so he had a, he had a much more difficult schedule. He's at a two this year. I think I think he's got the easiest schedule when it comes to running backs of the top 12 guys. A two. Watch out for Connor. He's going to be big. AB's gone from the outside. I think you're going to see more receptions out of Connor this year just because there's going to be more opportunity for Connor. Touchdowns, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it at, at 13, I, plus or minus one. I, I don't think you're going to see 18 or anything like that. I would I would say minimum 11, maximum 15. Fumbles four. You know, obviously you always want to cut down on fumbles. You know, fumble, when you turn the fumble. Now these are it just says fumble. I, I would assume that these were turnovers. Uh, you want to cut those down because you don't want to give the offense points on turnovers because that's how games are won. So four fumbles. This guy, if if I wasn't taking McCaffrey at number two. Connor is someone that I would really consider just because strength of schedule or or lack thereof, depending on how you, how you look at it. Second year in the league, I like running backs in the second year of the league. Quarterbacks don't don't fare too well second second year in the league, but I like this guy. This that's why I put him up over over some of these other guys. I like Connor. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna have a big year. I like the offense that he's in. I like Juju on the outside. I like big men. And it goes back to Kamara and Breeze. When you have that veteran quarterback, when you when you have that guy that can get you the ball and that can command the game like a veteran quarterback can can do, that ups everyone's game. And that's gonna up Connor's game. And next year we might be talking Connor top four. Top four running backs. I w- don't be surprised. That's that's kind of where I'm thinking. Connor rushing yards, I think he's gonna be about the same, probably around that nine fifty mark ish receiving yards I think I think that's where you're going to see a bump I think he's going to be up about 600 he's what 500 this year about 600 receiving yards next year wouldn't surprise me at all not in the least number six and when we go over number six and this this is going to give it away who I have at number six these are 2017 stats because he did not play in 2018 now how is that going to fare for him we don't know we're going to find out but we don't know and it's Le'Veon Bell and the reason why I have Le'Veon Bell at six and not lower than six is because his, his athleticism the guy's an animal he can go out and he can play and he he's had a year's rest so his body is is 100 percent he's probably the most rested the most feeling the best that he's ever felt since being a professional football player he's had a year off I'm sure he trained I'm sure he he kept himself in shape I, I can't imagine that he wouldn't here's what I one of my issues with Le'Veon I don't care that he sat out a year if he wants more money that's fine go get more money if you know what you're worth then go out and get what you're worth I, I have no issue with that he probably could have stayed off social media a little bit but you know when you deal with these alpha personalities like these NFL guys you can't you can't expect for these guys to stay off social media. It, it's it's not going to happen. So he gets traded and he goes, or I'm sorry, he gets cut. He signs with, with the Giants or with the Jets. I don't know what to expect with the Jets. Sam Darnold's a quarterback. Not a real good completion percentage last year. Not not good. I don't know what to expect this year. You know, the receiving core. I've got my questions in the receiving core. I guess we're going to find out. I, I, I would assume that we're going to find out the type of the type of athlete Le'Veon Bell is. Now, in 2017, he put up good numbers. There was one stat with Le'Veon Bell that I was surprised by, and we'll get to it here in just a second. Le'Veon Bell in 2017, again, these are 2017 numbers. He didn't play last year, so we have no way to, to even begin to fathom what he would have done in 2018. Uh, 2017, 321 carries for 1,291 yards. That's four yards 
average four yards a carry. He had 85 receptions for 655 yards, receiving yards, which is really good. He had three fumbles. Now, this is the stat that had me, I thought he found the end zone more. 11 touchdowns. That's not bad, but I thought he would be up in the teens. I thought I thought for sure he'd be 14, 13, 15, but no, 11, 11. This year, and I would have put Le'Veon further down the list. And again, it's it's this stat, seven. His, his strength of schedule is seven. So he's, the opportunities are going to be there for Le'Veon to put up a lot of, a lot of yards. I think you're going to see a dip in both rushing yards and receiving yards. And I think TDs this year are, are going to be single digits. I think he's, I'm going to say nine is where he's going to finish, finish the year at. And that's just purely because of the offense that he's in. He doesn't have that veteran quarterback in Big Ben anymore. He's got second-year guy in Darno that struggled, especially finding open receivers. But in Darno's defense, he didn't have someone behind him like Le'Veon Bell. And when you have someone that has the raw ability of Le'Veon Bell, that's got to take pressure off of the quarterback. Because he's thinking, I'm going to drop back, and if all my reads, if I go through my progressions and nothing's there, I can just dump it off to Le'Veon and let him do his thing. So I think at the end of the year, rushing yards, you're going to see a little dip in it. Um, and, and TDs, I, I think you're going to see some regression in TDs. And that's Bell at six. I'm excited to see what he can do in that offense, if he can spark that offense. I, I don't have high hopes for it, but I could be wrong. I would like for him to, to roll in there because the Jets are just one of these franchises that have just been struggling for years. And I love it when these franchises get dynamic players like these guys that can kind of breathe life back into the organization and try to get, get things rolling again. Because I, I love parity in professional sports. I don't like it when you have the same three or four teams every year, year after year after year. Let's get some other teams in there. Let's get those fan bases involved. I love it. I love I love when things like that happen. So I'm pulling for Le'Veon. My gut tells me that it's he's going to be middle of the pack running back by the end of the year, but I hope he's top 10. So that was Le'Veon at number six. And number seven, a lot of people are kind of kind of concerned about this guy. I am one of those who are not, though, because I think his raw talent is just incredible. And that is Nick Chubb. And what I mean by that is Browns went out and signed Kareem Hunt. A lot of people thought that, well, he's going to take away from what Kareem Hunt's going to do. We, we have to remember that Kareem Hunt has an eight-game suspension. And with the production that Chubb had last year, I don't think that if, if you're the Browns, you're going to take touches away from Chubb to get to Hunt. Hunt's going to be, he, yeah, he's going to be fully rested. He's going to be ready to go. But if, if Chubb is putting up numbers that he was putting up last year, I, I don't know. I don't think you mess with that chemistry. I think I think you get Hunt the touches when you can, but you don't do it to sacrifice Chubb because Chubb was was really good last year. And I, I believe it showed. You know, the Browns, they invested a high second round pick on Chubb, and he's done nothing but oppress them so far. He's the starter, and he's an RB1 guy. One reason why I have him a little further down my list is because when it comes to the strength of schedule. Second year guy, running backs. Running backs seem to be immune to the sophomore, the quote unquote sophomore jinx when it comes to the NFL. Probably should have put Chubb a little higher up my list. There's a lot of big personalities on that Browns team, and I'm not convinced that some of those personalities may not mesh. And football is one of those is one of those games where if everyone is not on the same page, then things can just get sideways in a hurry. But from a just a fantasy standpoint, Chubb is is a can't miss guy. He's going to put up a lot of numbers and I think if he can replicate what he did last year, we're we're talking Chubb in top four, top five running backs next year. So let's look at what he did last year uh, for, for a Browns team that was improved. We'll, we'll just say that they were improved. He had 192 attempts uh, for 996 yards, just under 1,000. I was hoping he was going to get to that 1,000 mark. So he was four yards. I do think that he eclipses the 1,000-yard mark this year. He averages he averaged 5.2, yeah, 5.2 yards a carry and I think that was the highest of the 12 guys that I have on the list I'm just looking real quick over my note it looks like it's it's the highest 5.2 yards a carry 
He had 20 receptions. He's not a guy that's going to receive the ball a lot. Maybe on a few wheel routes, but he's not going to receive the ball a lot. That's not his forte. He didn't do it in college. It really hasn't translated to the NFL. He's a big bruising back who's going to get you yards because he's hard attack. Two things, there's an upside to that and there's a downside to that. Upside when he's young, a lot, lot of yards, but that's hard on his body. When you get a running back that, that has a running style like Chubb, that is hard on his body. So you, as, a, as a fantasy owner, if, if you're in a keeper league, and you have the ability to keep Chubb, keep him now because he's going to get you the points. But you can you'll be able to watch his body deteriorate very quickly because he's a large he's a large guy, and the game the game that he plays is is not easy on the body. What I like about Chubb, no fumbles. He holds on to the ball. Now I think that I think that changes this year. You'll probably see one or two fumbles. Ten touchdowns. I think his touchdowns are going to be up this year, uh, not by many. I'm going to say plus two. 12. I think he'll be at 12 touchdowns. Strength of schedule, uh, 19. So not the easiest schedule, not the hardest schedule. You're leaning hard uh, as far as strength of schedule. I like Chubb. If if things were a little more solid as far on the offensive side of the ball between the new the new receiver and, and the quarterback, again, a lot of big personalities. If this year, if the Browns can figure out all of those components of that offense, like I said before, Chubb is a is a top four, top five running back. I really like what he brings, his toughness, his 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 football ability. I think it's all there, and he can he can run like the wind. So I got I got Chubb at seven. I think that's a solid pick. If you can if you can get Chubb right around that right around that area, I think you'll be you'll be really happy. Okay, let's roll into number eight, Joe Mixon. This guy. He came into the. I want to say. I want to say last year was one of the best years in his career as far as yardage. Um, kind of looking that up right now. I want to say he. You want to talk about a guy that had a quiet yet very good year? It was Joe Mixon. He just he he just he just plays well on a team that is not good, and it's especially going to be not good this year because uh, Green went down. I think they're saying that. He's going to be out the first couple weeks of the season. That's going to be tough for Mixon. That's going to be tough because he always had that that quote-unquote insurance policy on the outside in green, and that opened up the run game just a little bit. And Mixon, he receives the ball a little, if if I can if I can say that. I think 43 receptions for about 300 yards. He doesn't receive the ball a whole lot. His forte is more running the ball. And I don't know, I want to say, yeah, Mixon was drafted in the second round by Cincinnati. And he's out of Oklahoma. So, you know, Cincinnati liked what they saw. And I think I think the NFL thus far has liked what they saw. And fantasy owners has liked what they saw so far. And it's it's going to be tough in, in the beginning for Mixon with Green being out. I think a lot more importance is going to be put on him. And we're going to, he's, he's going to sink or swim. We're, we're going to find out what what he can do with um, with with the lack of green on the outside. Um, what I like what I like about Mixon is Zach Taylor, the new head coach there, says that he's going to install a game plan that mimics the Rams. And we all know how much the Rams use their backs. And for, as far as a fantasy owner, I love I love hearing that because that means Mixon's Mixon's numbers are going to go up. But again, green, I just don't know. I just don't know. I guess we'll find out. Either way, Mixon, I think, is a solid pick. As far as running backs are concerned, he's a good later. You, you, you probably get Mixon in the second round, possibly the third. By the time you mix in the quarterbacks and the wide receivers that are going to be taken. But if you have it, if Mixon is there at the right time, take him because he's going to get you yardage and he's going to get you points. So let's go over what he did last year. Uh, 237 touches for just under 1,200 yards, 1168. He averaged 4.9 yards a carry, 43 receptions for 296 yards, no fumbles, holds on to the ball, got to love that, and nine TDs. His strength of schedule is 20, uh, about the same as it was last year. I think last year they were 22, something like that. Um, rushing yards this year, I don't know. I'm going to say push. I'm going to say about the same. Receiving yards, you might see a little bit more receiving because Green is out and because Zach Taylor came out and said, hey, listen, we're going to, we're going to, mimic the Rams offense touchdowns uh, I'm gonna say he hits double digits I'm gonna say he's he's at 11 
I like Mixon. I like him. He's a workhorse. It's someone that you can count on week in and week out. If you have an opportunity to draft Mixon in the right situation, I wouldn't stretch for him because there's a lot of running backs out there that as far as value, you could get value out of these guys in later rounds. But I like Mixon right there in kind of middle of the pack, late second, early, mid-second, right around there, second round. If if you could say if you could if you could take a saying from the NFL draft and put it towards your fantasy draft, classic day two guy, second round. Um, it just kind of depends on what your needs are as an owner and where you value mixing at. Solid guy, gets you a lot of points. That green situation has got me a little worried. I think I think you're going to see a, a little bit of a hit as far as uh, rushing yards on on mixing. So now we're going to jump into a guy that I took last year with um, the last pick in the first round. Because as I said earlier, I won the league the first round over the first year. So I picked last. We do a snake order, obviously based on schedule. I won the league, so I picked last. And I was so excited when this guy fell to me because I thought he was a can't-miss guy. And he did not have a good year last year due to injury. And that's Dalvin Cook. I think Dalvin Cook has all the, the tangibles. I think he's in an offense that could really lean to him putting up some big numbers. I think he's healthy this year. I thought he was going to be healthy healthy last year. I, I was disappointed when he got injured, and it just seemed like he just couldn't get healthy. It seemed like it was always, you know, once he came back from the major injury, it was hamstring injury, hamstring injury, hamstring injury, before he knew it was the end of the season. Uh, I want to say he played in 11 games last year. But he really wasn't healthy until like the last three or four weeks where you could really see what Dalvin was capable of. And when he showed you that, you had to like what you saw because he he's, he's a talented guy. Um, not a lot of receiving yards, of course, with, that, with the receivers they have in Milwaukee. He's probably not going to receive the ball a whole lot. Um, one thing that's kind of got me nervous about Dalvin Cook is the Vikings did draft Alexander Madison uh, in the third round. So they're obviously concerned about the depth behind Cook, but he's a starter as long as he's healthy. That's the key. As long as he's healthy, he's a starter. How healthy can can Dalvin be? I hope he bounces back. I think Dalvin has the potential of being a top five running back as long as he's healthy. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see what kind of conditioning he he put himself through in the offseason because you can always tell, regardless of the sport, how healthy an athlete is based on the injuries. If you see a lot of lower body injuries, it's poor conditioning. You see it all the time in the NFL and football. I'm sorry, baseball. In in the NFL and baseball, when you start seeing lower lower body injuries, it's poor conditioning. So hopefully he can get that figured out because I think the guy has got talent. He's in an offense that favors what he brings to the table. Um, so we're going to kind of wait and see see where he's at. So he played 11, 11 games last year. And what I did was I averaged 15 games. I took all his numbers and I came up with the numbers, what he would have produced if he played 15 games. And those are the numbers I'm going to give you. So he would have had 181 touches for 838 yards rushing, which averages about uh, 4.6, which is, I mean, all these running backs are within spitting distance of five, except David Johnson is the only one. We covered him a while back. He was at 3.6, but all these other running backs are, are right in that area. Uh, so he 838 yards. He had 54 receptions, which shouldn't come as a surprise. Dalvin Cook isn't going to get you a bunch of receptions because Kirk Cousins has so many other weapons to throw to. I mean, you got Diggs and Thielen and Rudolph. I mean, they're everywhere. So in, when, when, when Cousins is going through his progressions, then he finds Dalvin. So as far as receptions, I don't see Dalvin getting much more than 54. He had 415 yards receiving, so that tells me when he did receive the ball, he was getting chunks of yards. And as as a fantasy owner, that's what you want to see. Uh, he had three fumbles, six touchdowns. That number is low to me. I would have thought for sure Dalvin would have had more than six touchdowns. And I'm saying this year he's going to be closer to 10. 10 seems to be the magic number. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put Dalvin at nine. I think he's going to have nine touchdowns this year. Total touchdowns. 
between rushing and receiving. Most of them are going to be rushing. He'll, he will have a few receiving touchdowns. This is what I like about Dalvin Cook. Strength of schedule, five. So he has the opportunity to, to put up some yards. And that's what I like seeing. And I think for Dalvin, that's what he needs. And I think for the Vikings, that's what they need, is to see Dalvin out there running the ball, receiving the ball, and scoring touchdowns. Because that's what they need. That's what they want. The whole Vikings team was a disappointment last year. I thought they were going to do a lot better than they did. And it was, it was just a flat year. They just looked flat all year long. And some of that can go back to Dalvin Cook. I think he was kind of the cog that everyone was wanting. And when he went down early, uh, they were like, oh, no. And they, and they scrambled to try to get it together. This year, they don't have to do that. Dalvin is coming in healthy, and he's ready to roll. And I think we're going to see this year what the Vikings offense is capable of. So I would expect better numbers out of Dalvin Cook. You know, fumbles, probably about the same. You're going to be real close to 10 touchdowns. I like Dalvin. If you have an opportunity to, you know, Dalvin based on last year, Dalvin's going to fall down the list. And don't be afraid to pull the trigger on Dalvin Cook because Dalvin is going to get you some is going to get you some points. So don't be afraid of Dalvin, especially with that strength of schedule. Five, I want to say only one other running back in the top twelve has an easier strength of schedule, and that's uh, James Conner at two. So uh, when Dalvin rolls around, he he's going to get you points this year. So now we're going to roll into the one guy that. I, I struggled putting him on my list because we we saw such a small section of what he is capable of doing last year. And this is at number 10. And that Damian Williams from the Chiefs. And we all know what happened, why we didn't see much of Damian Williams last year with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I don't know what happened. I, I don't know what's going on with the Chiefs and their running backs. Now I get Hunt. In a terrible situation. He's got an eight-game suspension, which, touching back on that, Chubb owners shouldn't be worried about Hunt being in Cleveland. Chubb's going to get his touches. He's going to get his time. Everything's going to be fine. Um, Hunt, I, I just, I don't know. Eight-game suspension, that's a lot. That's a lot. But if you're a Browns fan, you got to love it because you're in into week nine, You've got a healthy Kareem Hunt when everyone else is pretty banged up. So you you've got to like you got to like what you see there. So Damian Williams, when he was in the offense, and Andy Reid loves running backs. When he was in the offense, Williams was very good, and he was he was very efficient. The one thing about uh, Damian Williams that has got me concerned: thirty thirty first in rushing offense, I'm sorry, uh, defense, which means he has got, out of my top 12 running backs, the hardest schedule. So you're going you're gonna to see, you're going to see what he's capable of. And he may not, um, he may not produce, but then again, he, he may. Another thing that's kind of, kind of got, kind of got me worried. Andy Reid is talking up Carlos Hyde, you know, cause Carlos Hyde is now in, in Kansas city. Is Carlos going to take touches away from Damian? I don't know. I don't know how much more Carlos has left in the tank. Carlos is not a young man; and he's a big guy. So I don't know. I don't know what to expect when it when it comes to that. I don't know if Andy is just doing that to kind of get Damian keyed up to ready to go. Um, I just I don't know. But we do know that that Damian is going to be the starter in the Chiefs' offense. So let's go over the let's go over the numbers. I didn't figure out what Damien would have done if he would have played a full uh, 16 games because he didn't come into the end. So he had 50 touches for 256 yards. He averaged 5.1 yards a carry, which is good. That's right in line with the average. I want to say that was the second highest yards per carry in my top 12. Yeah, 5.1. Nick Chubb had 5.2, so he was right there. Receptions, he was at 23 yards, 160. Didn't receive a whole, whole lot. Um, but a, in an offense in, in an offense that the Chiefs have, the opportunity for receiving yards is going to be there. And I think, I think Damian can receive the, receive the ball well. He had uh, one fumble, six touchdowns. Uh, 
Where is he going to be at with touchdowns? That's a good question. How much is he going to be used? How healthy is he going to be? How much is Carlos Hyde going to eat in his touches? There's a lot of questions there, but his upside, I like Williams' upside. I think he has one of the one of the biggest upsides of anyone on my list. That's why I put him at number 10. I don't think you can go wrong with drafting him there, uh, drafting Williams. He's going to get you points. He's going to get yards. I just don't know how many, and I don't think he knows how many, and I don't think the Chiefs know how many because it, it, it really kind of depends on if he can stay healthy and if he is healthy, if he can produce. As long as he's healthy and he produces, he's going to get you a lot of points. But those are two big questions, especially when you have a proven guy like Carlos Hyde that's just itching to get into the game. He could use that as motivation, or he could that could backfire and, and he find himself out of the starting job. So I would I would tread lightly with Williams, but I I do like Williams. I do like his upside, um, and especially in that offense. When you have when you're in an offense with Patrick Mahomes, I mean shoot he he's worth burning a pick on just for the just for the potential so i've got williams at 10 with williams at 10 with some hesitation that's how i'm going to put that so at 11 this is where things start to get a little difficult for me because i just i don't know what's going to go on in this situation and at number uh number 11 I've got Melvin Gordon. I don't know if he's going to stay with the Chargers. You know, there's buzz around the NFL that he may be going to the Texans. I don't see that happening. If I'm the Chargers, I pay Melvin Gordon because I think Melvin Gordon is worth every penny of what Melvin Gordon wants. You have Phillip Rivers. you got guys on the outside. Hunter Henry is back this year. I mean, last year people were talking Hunter Henry a top ten tight end. Then you know, then he tore his ACL and he was done. I just Melvin Gordon. This is how uncertain Melvin Gordon is as a fantasy guy. He's being picked anywhere from number six to number eighty-six out of the out of all the running backs on my list here. That is the widest range of any running back. There's eighty positions between the best pick at number six and the worst pick at number 86. I don't know what to tell you. I just, uh, and I like Melvin Gordon. I like his game. I like what he does. He gets a lot of points. He's a workhorse. He keeps his head down. He just runs. I don't know. Before him holding out, Gordon was locked at a top. I would put Gordon in the top, top five picks easy. Um, but now he's, I w- I don't even know if I I don't even know if I would pick Melvin Gordon in the second round because I don't know what's going on with his holdout. I don't. He seems to be very adamant about about his holdup that or his holdout that he's going to that he's he, he wants more money. I think he's in the last year of his deal, and if if the Chargers knew what they were doing, they they would pay Melvin Gordon almost what what he wanted. You've got Phillip Rivers behind center, which I think is one of the most underrated fantasy quarterbacks out there. But uh, Melvin Gordon, he's always his first year in the league was his was his worst year as far as rushing. He he rushed for I think it was six hundred fifty yards. Since then, he's he's done eight eighty or higher uh, touchdowns. He's always been in double digits. 14 he had last year 12 the year before 12 and 16 receiving yards he's always been in the 400s fumbles usually just one or two a year he is as rock steady back as you possibly get as a matter of fact in the first year my fantasy league i traded for melvin gordon and because of melvin gordon and and i will maintain this i won the league because he just he just puts up numbers and and he does it year after year after year, so the Chargers have to find, sign him. If they don't, he says he's not playing. I don't I don't know. I don't know where to draft him. So last year he had 175 touches, for 885 yards, average five yards carry, which is pretty standard. 
He had 50 receptions for 490 receiving yards, had one fumble, and 14 touchdowns. His strength of schedule is 26. So you're kind of getting into the harder strength of schedule. Now, I will say this with, with Melvin Gordon. If he holds out, immediately pick up Austin Eckler. Immediately. Because he will be RB1 in that offense. Because that offense relies on running backs, and especially running backs that can receive the ball. And Austin Eckler can receive the ball. So that, that's my tip. If, if Gordon holds out, or even if you have a chance to pick up Austin Eckler, I would do it. That's, that's my plan. Even if Austin Eckler, if, if Gordon's like, hey, you know what? Um, I'm sorry. I'm gonna, I'll, be, I'll be at training camp, or, or the Chargers say, listen, we're going to give you the money that you want. I would still pick up Austin Eckler. He is a great situational guy, and he always seems to get yardage. But Gordon, before he held out, I had Gordon at number three on my list because of the consistency that he's he's able to display. But now, just because of the possibility, that's why he's down at down at number eleven. And I I had real hesitation putting him on my list at eleven. But you just you cannot deny the talent. So let's roll into number twelve on my list. He's the last guy. He's in an offense that is good, and he is Marlon Mack. And Marlon Mack had a had a good year last year, had a quiet year last year. You know, he just kind of he just kind of muddled along, and then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh my, look at these numbers he's putting up. It was kind of crazy. I think in my fantasy league he was picked up a few times and dropped a few times before anyone. Finally had the sense to pick him up and keep him. But um, 27th strength of schedule, that's that's a pretty tough pretty tough schedule. Indianapolis likes to throw the ball a lot. Uh, how many? And he doesn't receive the ball hardly at all. I think he had 17. He had 17 receptions last year for 103 yards. He had 10 total touchdowns, which, I mean, that's, that's more than what Mixon had. That's more than what Dalvin Cook had. Even if Dalvin Cook would have paid, would have played 15 games, that's the same amount of touchdowns as David Johnson. So Marlon Mack is he's he's that uh, he's a solid back. He's not a back that's going to win you the championship, but he's a back that's going to get you to the championship game. You're going to need that. You're going to need that X factor. You're going to need that guy that's going to that's going to elevate his game to get you to the championship and Marlon Max, not that guy. He's being drafted anywhere from 13 to 54. So there's a, there's a big gap there. It's not a Melvin Gordon gap, but it's a pretty big gap. Um, Marlon Mack was given more, was, was given 20 or plus more touches more often than any other back in football. Uh, not named Zeke. Zeke had the most. And then it was Marlon Mack. Who would have thought that Marlon Mack had, had more touches than, then Barkley, McCaffrey, Kamara, Johnson, Connor, uh, Mixon, Cook—I mean, the whole list of them. I—I um, I just don't know what I just don't know what to make of Marlon Mack. He—he he has upside, but I don't know. I—he—I think he finishes in the—he finishes in the top twenty running backs this year, but I don't—I don't think it's going to be much better than that. I don't know. I I like his upside though, and I and I like that Andrew Luck is back and he's healthy. I think that elevates Marlon Marlon Max game. I just I just don't know. I just and with Naheem being in the backfield with him, he's he's going to share. He's going to share touches and he's going to share plays with Naheem. That's just the way it is. That it, it that's just the way that offense is set up. But I like Marlon Mack. 159 touches last year for 908 yards, averages 400 or I'm sorry 4.7 yards to carry. Uh, again, 17 receptions, 103 yards, two touch, two fumbles, and 10 touchdowns. I'll take that as a fantasy as a fantasy owner. I'll take that. It's good, but it's not great. It'll get you into the playoffs, but it won't get you a championship win. It just won't. 
but I like Marlon Mack. As far as his numbers, it just kind of depends. I think rushing, I don't I don't think he hits 900 yards this year with rushing. I don't. Uh, receiving, maybe a few more. You might see 20 receptions. You might see 125 receiving yards. Touchdowns, you're probably going to regress a little bit there. I would say eight touchdowns, about the same amount of fumbles. One thing, the, the two things that have me, that have me, hesitant with Marlon Mack is the strength of schedule and splitting shares with Naheem. Those are the two. Even if one, even if you were to take one of those out, say that you were to take Naheem, it's Marlon Mack's game, it's his deal, it's his backfield, I would say probably about the same, about the same numbers. But I just, I don't see it. I just, I don't see it. And maybe that's just me being a pessimist. Maybe that's me being being overly hard on a running back. I don't think so. Um, I'm just trying to be honest Honest here. Marlon Mack is good. He's just not great. And that's, that's what you're looking for as a fantasy owner is you're looking for great. Because great gets you championships. Good, good gets you playoffs. And, and we all... We all play fantasy football to get in the championship game. In my league, if you win the league, you get a perpetual. We have a perpetual year trophy and a championship ring. And the next year at the draft, whoever won that year, we all wear our rings, and it's a lot of fun. And that's what you play for. And of course, the money. I mean, everyone plays for the money, but it's the bragging rights amongst friends. Mac will get you in the playoffs, but he won't get you the title. So you guys probably noticed. Two names that I didn't put on my list. Two big names I didn't put on my list. And I fought with this list for uh, the better part of a couple days. Because I I just didn't know. I just didn't know what to do with these two guys. Because they're two big question marks. And I'm going to say they're two guys to avoid. And, and you probably know who I'm talking about. The first one's Todd Gurley. That knee has me scared. As a fantasy owner, that knee has me scared. I would not draft Todd Gurley. And everyone's going to say, Brian, what are you talking about? It's Todd Gurley. It's the Rams offense. He's he's going to put up ridiculous numbers just like he did last year. You don't know what you're talking about. And I disagree. I don't think Todd Gurley, that knee, when you have an arthritic knee, which is what he has, did, there was a video, TM, TMZ put out a video I want to say it was about a month and a half ago where he's still limping. Todd Gurley is still limping. He has done nothing as far as football-related activities in some time, and he's limping. What is it going to be like when he's, when he's on the field and where he's going to try to be on the field every Sunday and sometimes Thursday and sometimes Monday on short rest? What is that going to do to his knee? I don't know. That's got me shook. That I mean, it's I don't know. He's being drafted anywhere from five to forty-six. Uh, his ADP is eleven. I think that is generous. Uh, his draft rank is nineteen. He's playing. His, his strength of schedule is twenty-one. Um, I just don't know. C.J. Anderson, when he came in, he he was serviceable. He was he was all right. I just don't know that knee has got as a as a running back. You go where your knees take you, and right now his knees are not taking him anywhere. And when when you hear the word arthritis, that's not something that can be fixed. You know, a guy tears an ACL, you're gonna miss him for a little bit of time, but he'll be back. Uh, you hear arthritis, and that's that's a completely different ball of wax. So when Gurley came in the league in 15, there's only been one one season as far as rush yards where he didn't rush for 1,000 yards, and that was 2016. He rushed for 885. Last year he rushed for 1,251. 17 he rushed for 1,305. Um, TDs, he had 21 touchdowns last year. He had 19 the year before. But let let's not let's not forget the playoff games where he played the first quarter and he didn't take the field again. The first half he didn't take the field again. 
something is going on there. McVeigh knows that something is going on there. Because when you're in a when you're in a in a playoff game like the Rams and you have arguably the best running back in the game and he can't go and he's sitting on the sidelines, there's something going on there and it's not good. And I don't know if the Rams are not releasing it because they don't want people to know just how bad it is. Or maybe there was some internal struggle. Maybe there was a clash of personalities. I don't think so. Todd Gurley seems like a pretty chill guy. Obviously, I don't know the man. But when you have someone who last year averaged 4.9 yards carry, uh, 1,251 yards, and he received for 580 yards, and he had 21 total touchdowns, and he's sitting on your bench in a playoff game, there's something really wrong there. And that's why I left him off my list, because you just you don't know what's going on. The next guy I have off the list should come as no surprise. It's uh, Zeke Elliott. You want to talk about a guy who is the epitome of has all the ability in the world but cannot stay out of trouble? Zeke Elliott. I just, I, I don't know, I don't know what goes on in his head. Yeah, he wants more money. That's fine. I, I have no problem with, especially football players, getting the money that, that they feel like they deserve when they can. Because professional football players have such a small window to earn their career, their, their, their livelihood for the rest of their lives that I have no issue with it. What I do take issue with is he cannot stay out of trouble in the postseason. And plus Zeke Elliott, 25th um, hardest strength of schedule, where last year I think it was fifth. So it's it's like seesawed. This year would be very it's gonna be very hard for him. His draft rank is number four. Um he's in some leagues he's being taken number one, some he's being taken as low as fifty four. His ADP is number four. So, I mean, he's, I would say Zeke Elliott is the biggest risk, is the biggest risk in the top four picks in any draft. I just don't know. He has come out in the last few days and said, I am not playing unless I get more money. And it would not surprise me if Jerry Jones is like, okay, that's fine. Well, then you're just not going to play. I would pass on Zeke Elliott. 100%. I would pass on Zeke Elliott. And I hate saying that because the guy is incredibly talented. Probably if Todd Gurley were healthy and then you have Saquon, Zeke Elliott's top three most athletic, most gifted running backs in the NFL. I mean, just some of these numbers. His rookie season, 2016, he had sixteen, a uh, little over 1,600 yards rushing. Uh, just under 400 yards receiving, 16 touchdowns. Now, his touchdowns the last two years have been nine. He's had nine touchdowns in both uh, both campaigns, which you would like to see Zeke in the double digits. And then last year, for some reason, fumbles kind of got him. Uh, in 2017, he had one fumble. Last year, he had six. That's got to – you can't fumble the ball that much. So I don't know what to make of Zeke. Um, I'm, I'm honestly kind of done hearing about Zeke. He, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play this year at all. I would, I would tread lightly with, with drafting Zeke Elliott. Um, I, his downside is much bigger than his upside. I would, I would be very, very, very cautious with drafting Zeke Elliott. All right. What we're going to do now is we're going to do my two sleepers and then we're done. That's, that's running backs. My two sleepers. Number one, Damian Harris. New England Patriots. Remember a couple years ago when LeGarrette Blunt had 18 touchdowns? It seemed like he only run the ball when they were inside about the 30-yard line. That's going to be Damian Harris this year. He is a big, bruising back that's going to score touchdowns. Sony Michelle is the Cadillac that's going to get you to the that's going to get you into the zone. And then Damian Harris is is the bulldozer that's going to bring the ball in. End of story. Damian Harris is is the biggest sleeper when it comes to running backs that is out there. 
And I'm not a big guy with drafting New England Patriot offensive players because because the playbook is so vast and so complicated that you just you you don't know who's going to score with what. James White and Damian Harris. James White is going to get you touches, especially now since Gronk is gone. James White would be the only other guy that I would draft on that offense. But Damian Harris, watch out for this name. He's going to get touches. He's going. I'm going to say he's going to lead the running backs in touchdowns because he's going to get the ball when it's you know, first and goal, second and goal, third and goal. When they're in the red zone, they're going to bring Harrison. He's going to run guys over. He's going to run in the end zone. He's going to be LeGarrette Blunt 2.0. I'm going to say he's going to finish the season with 14 touchdowns. Damian Harris, he's he's the keeper. The next guy, as long as he can stay healthy, he's going to be another another heavy sleeper, and that's Darius Geis. He was he was a big draft pick by the Washington Redskins. Everyone had high hopes for him. Then he uh, tore his ACL, and it just seemed like he couldn't get healthy. It seemed like he was having complication after complication after complication. And it was just it was difficult for him. There's a lot of there's a lot of questions surrounding Darius Geis and his health. Uh, he says he's doing well. I guess we'll find we'll find out now that we're now that games are starting to be played. Um, I, I'm worried about Geis because AP signed a two year deal with the Redskins, and they also have Chris Thompson, who is a great receiving back. I just like Darius Geis. As long as he as long as he stays healthy, I think Darius Geis is worth worth looking at. Matter of fact, Darius Geis is the guy that I'm keeping in my league. I drafted him last year in the thirteenth round. And this year I'm sorry, I drafted him in the fourteenth round. This year he's my thirteenth round keeper. I'm keeping Darius Geis. I think as long as he can stay healthy and he comes out and he makes the most out of the touches that he has, I think he's he's going to have a good year. Uh, touchdowns probably around seven or so, maybe eight. You know, he's going to be mostly rushing. He's not. I don't think he's going to have a whole lot of receptions. That's Chris Thompson's deal. Chris Thompson is going to is going to get the receptions out of the backfield. Darius Geis is going to run the ball. So my two sleepers, who I think Damian Harris is a deep deep sleeper that cannot miss, and Darius Geis. That's it, guys. That's those are my running backs, one through twelve. I'm sure that that not everyone agrees with with my list, but that's why I put it out there. I would love to hear some feedback. Email me at beer and a dog sports at gmail.com. That's beer and a dog sports at gmail.com. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. Just search beer and a dog or beer and a dog sports. Look me up on Facebook, beer and a dog sports. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you think. Let me know any any uh, changes that you would make, anyone that I may have forgotten. I'd love to hear feedback from you guys, so let me know. Uh, the next couple podca- podcasts coming up, I think we're going to cover quarterbacks, and we're going to cover wide receivers, and then we're going to probably roll into baseball because we're, we're heading down the home stretch, and uh, things are starting to heat up a little bit. So thanks for sticking with me tonight, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, hope I gave you some some good information that you can use in your upcoming drafts. Love to hear back from you. And until next time, you guys take it easy. This is Brian with Beer and a Dog Sports. I will holler at you guys later.